Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the post game Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice in my basement. Nathan Baird and Stephen Means in Piscataway, New Jersey. Ohio State looked like itself. Back to boring good. Dominating Rutgers, 52 13. A couple poll questions with the textures. And the betting line that still I can't wrap my head around, but we'll get to the betting line last. I think we need to start with CJ Stroud who coming off the resting of his shoulder, 330 yards, five touchdown passes, 17 of 23. Nathan Baird. I asked our tech subscribers this question and I want both of you guys to give the answer to this. How do you feel about CJ Stroud after today's game? He's the guy. He played awesome. The Buckeyes could win with him. I'm optimistic, but I need to see more. Or I still think there's another quarterback on the roster who might be a better option this season. Nathan, how would you answer that question? Boy, that that last one, my immediate reaction to it is like, no way. But then I'm always like, well, but Quinn Ewers. Um, and I know this some season, that's have, why I said this season. This season. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But I doubt it's that last one after what we saw the past two weeks. So I'm going to say it's the middle one because the middle one always wins out and then Number one beats out number three. Stephen, what do you think people said? Do you think people said he's the guy, or do you think they said they're optimistic but need to see more, or do they think there's another another better quarterback on the roster for this year? I'd say he's the guy, he's a guy, but I think they voted. Uh, I'm optimistic, but I need to see more. People are feeling it. Sixty-two percent. He's the guy. That's what C.J. Stroud did on Saturday. I think he made a large swath of the fan base feel like he's the guy and that Ohio state can get where it wants to go with him. Now, is that a national championship? I don't know, but can they be a playoff team? Can they be the best team in the big 10? I think that's what 62% of the people are saying. 37% optimistic. 1% think there's a better guy in the roster for this season for this team, Nathan Baird, the way he played, Nathan, did he look like a completely different quarterback to you or that would that be going too far to say that? Or how, how much different do you think he well, was and how much would you attribute to the resting of the shoulder? I don't think I would say a completely different quarterback, but he certainly looked like a better version of himself than we've been able to see so far. I would say the closest thing to what we saw today was maybe the spring game. Like just hmm. because I think we didn't get to see him healthy maybe at any point in those first three games I don't know how healthy he was at all in those three games I think it's something that was getting progressively worse but today just from the beginning like from from warm-ups you didn't see him doing the big windmill you didn't see him like grabbing at the shoulder and like and twisting it and all that stuff so that right alone told me that something was a little bit different that he just he was feeling better and I think if every time you throw the ball you're not feeling like a pinch a sting of pain an ice pick whatever level it was for him then I think you're just more confident with what you're doing out there. It's just one less, like I said earlier this week on the pod, is like one less thing that he, one more thing he had to overcome in those first three weeks was his own body. And if you take that out of the way and then you put Rutgers in front of him, 
uh, and he gets some help, then I think this is what happens. I think it was, so it wasn't a matter of, he didn't transform into something else, but it was definitely the best version of him that we've seen so far. Overcoming your body, Buckeye talk. Steven, what, how do you think people on the team reacted to CJ Stroud today? What you heard from Ryan Day, and you texted out to our subscribers a conversation you had with Chris Olave. What do you think the rest of the, the Ohio State roster is feeling about its quarterback right now? Finally, we get to see the CJ that no, they get the world gets to see the CJ Stroud that we've been seeing for the past nine months before the shoulder was even a problem. The vibe I got from that conversation with Chris is this, we've always believed it's been our guy. I think Nathan had like a side conversation earlier in the fall camp right after CJ got the job with Jackson Smith and the Jigba, where he said something under the lines of I always knew it would be CJ. It always felt like CJ had the team. From that standpoint, and he just needed to show the world on the field that he could do that part of it as well. But there is that's part of being a quarterback is does the team respond to you? Does it respond to you? And this team seems to have been responding to him for some months now. But because he had this whatever shoulder injury, pain, whatever it was, we weren't able to completely see that. So the doubt kind of creeped in. Now that that wasn't an issue, I asked Chris, when did you maybe start to see CJ get back to himself? He said Tuesday because that's our best day of practice, and he looked back to normal and that translated over to Saturday. So it was, and I know some of this is just your, you're caping for your guy a little bit, but it genuinely felt like, listen, we've always seen this. It's just the shoulder was getting in the way of it being more consistent than it had been. Nathan, when you add that with Trevion Henderson going off again early in the game, Chris Olave, big day, two touchdowns, over hundred receiving yards, Garrett Wilson doing his thing. They obviously went out of their way to target Jeremy Ruckert more on Saturday. Did you feel like that was the full Ohio State offense starting to come together or not quite yet? Well, it's, it's certainly approaching it. Yeah, I think you would like to see the um, some certainty on the offensive line, which they have in terms of who they want. They just don't have it in terms of who is playing and what level of health they're at right now. So there's so that's not like 100 percent. And then Trevion Henderson gets banged up. And so that wasn't 100% tonight. So I don't think you could get, you could say that it was like fully there, which is, I think, a good thing for Ohio State that you come out of a game like this and say, oh, there's probably like an even another level to get to from, from an offensive standpoint. And even CJ Stroud, it wasn't like perfect tonight. I think the, the, the encouraging thing about CJ Stroud was he would make a mistake tonight but seem to kind of mitigate those mistakes, if not then respond to those mistakes with something even better. But just to update people, nothing serious with Trevion Henderson, no. right? No. Ryan Day said after the game that he could have come back in the game and played, but he made the decision to hold him out. Because it's 45 to 6. Like, what are you doing? Like, what would you – like, <laughs> it's, there's almost no reason for him to be playing even if he's fully healthy at that point, let alone if you think there's possibly anything at all. He did come out of the game. He did go to the medical tent. When he came back from there, he didn't have his helmet made us think that it could be a um, concussion fear or something like that. But Ryan Day says he could have played the second half, and it was Ryan Day's decision not to put him back on the field. He carries 71 yards for Trevion Henderson. Steven, did you think that Ohio State went out of its way at all to try to get Chris Olave back involved today? Did it just happen because when their offense is hitting on all cylinders, Chris Olave is heavily involved? What, what did you think of Chris Olave's day that included 100-plus receiving yards and two scores? I don't think so. Because uh, it's, it's not like they, you know, ran plays where it's like get it in Chris Olave's hands quickly, and they didn't really throw a lot of deep shots. I think they went out of their way to maybe just establish CJ's rhythm, which meant getting the tight ends involved with some checkdowns. That one throw to Marcus Crowley, and because of how the offense was kind of filling itself, Chris got open. I think you saw more Chris Olave get involved when they went and broke down in the scramble, Joe, like there's one where Chris Olave ends up toe tapping on the sideline and making a ridiculous catch again. If you really pay attention to it, it's CJ buying time in the pocket, not taking off too soon, not feeling like he's panicking in the pocket. And he finds Chris Olave for a catch. He's it's a little high, but in that situation, you put it where only your guy can get it. And then obviously the one later on where he stumbles and keeps his balance and then finds Chris Olave streaking down the sideline. I that's, it, it didn't seem like they purposely tried to get Chris involved. I just think the game plan worked out that way because that's your best option. And at some point he's going to get open. Only 18 completions in the game for, for a team that scored 52 points, got a defensive score again. Uh, of those 18 completions, eight were to their top two guys 
for 190 yards and three scores. So that is very uh, efficient production from Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Nathan, why were they moving guys around on the offensive line? We saw them go kind of back to the original offensive line that we thought was going to play this year with Thayer Munford at left tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere at right tackle. Why did that happen? Well, we didn't ask Ryan Day about that. That was a question that didn't get asked after the game. We were in kind of a lightning round situation. But um, as you mentioned, you know, Thayer Mumford had been banged up. And I wondered a little bit in this game if it was – I didn't see at some point if Paris Johnson had gotten banged up too. He was on the sideline at one point. It looked like he was standing without his helmet. But then obviously I saw him later with his helmet and he went back in the game. So I, I didn't know if something maybe happened with Paris Johnson early on. That's why Matt Jones was playing right guard, but then Johnson went back in. And I, I think it makes sense to, to move those guys around in a game like this and because you don't know if something more permanent happens later if you do have to more drastically change the structure of the offensive line. So put, put, put Thayer Mumford back at left tackle in case something ever happens to Nicholas Petit Frere. I, I, that, that's, I guess, what makes sense to me. Just no reason not to shuffle those guys a little bit in a game like this. Was it, get, was, go ahead. Go ahead, Steven. Paris got dinged up once, which is why Matthew Jones went in initially. But yeah. I also just think part of this is the game got out of hand. And Matthew Jones has clearly shown the last two weeks he deserves to play. And in a game like this, I think they were just trying to see some things and figure some things out because there was a point where Nicholas petit Frere was the right tackle and Theron Mumford was back at left tackle as well. So because of how the game went, you got to refigure some things and maybe think maybe a little too deep into stuff when you're in a situation like this because you're trying to see what else works. So Matthew Jones, right, has been getting love in the past couple of weeks. And it sort of felt like, you know, one of the reasons, okay, Dewan Jones forced his way on the field, but I'll feel Matthew Jones and anybody else in the interior offensive line cracked the door by not locking down that open guard spot. Does it feel, I don't know. I mean, yes. Right. Okay. So on one hand, it's like, Hey, we're going to try everything, whatever. But also, you know, they didn't play Jeremy Ruckert at receiver. Like, I mean, I know it's going back to something they already did. They hadn't done it. They didn't do it against Akron, right? This is the first time all year, but I guess Thayer didn't play last week, right? So maybe I'm, it's one of those things. Okay, I get it. You're blowing Rutgers out and you're experimenting with some stuff. But when you're experimenting with the thing that you we thought you were going to do the whole time, and it's like, oh, that looks pretty good. It makes me wonder that, yes, you have to be ready in case somebody gets hurt. But I also wonder if they're wondering, and not that, I mean, Dewan Jones has been good, right? But I wonder if they're wondering the way Matthew Jones has been playing. Hey, I wonder if that might not be our best five right now. I think it's a fair thing to wonder, and it's the only way you find out is to kind of get some data on it, put it put it forth in a game. I didn't see if something maybe happened to Dewan Jones too, and it makes you wonder, like, if that was what happened, if he got banged up on a play, is Ohio State's best offensive line then now to just substitute for him at right tackle with somebody else and keep the other four the same or to do what they did? But Harry Miller right. was getting some time, I think, at left guard um, tonight, either in, in warm-ups or maybe even during the game. I can't remember. So, I mean, they, they, they're, they're building themselves some options for everybody at, like, multiple spots. This offensive line was such a first-world problem today is what this boils down to. The fact that they were trying guys all over the place because, I mean, Dewan Jones, and I think PFF put out a graphic saying Dewan Jones and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer are the highest-graded tackle pair, which is exactly what Thayer Mumford and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer were last year. And if you're to the mindset of, hmm, what if our best lineup is now taking one of the highest-graded tackles off the field and putting a guard on the field who's been pretty good as well, it's – Yes, it's a, like like I said, it's a bit of overthinking, but it still might work if you're still trying to find your quote-unquote best five. I assume it's just monkeying around just to kind of see what's up. I get it. I get it. But it, it's definitely worth asking about on Tuesday as yeah. we try to like kind of work this out. A lot uh, of C.J. Stroud questions tonight that dominated press conference time. Was it kind of like, Ryan, how good was C.J. Stroud? Ryan Day answers. Next question. Ryan, but how good was C.J. Stroud? And it's like, did everybody ask the same question? Like, hey, can I, we just do something and then ask the same question six times because you like, want to ask about C.J. Stroud? There were like three or four different versions of how did the week off help C.J. Stroud? Yeah. yeah. But like, but in like, in what way did the week off help C.J. Yeah. Stroud? Like, how was he different tonight because of the week off? I think there were like three or four times somebody asked that. A lot of feelings questions per the Ooh. usual and not a lot of, feelings. you know, especially with C.J. like. I mean, I tried to ask a football question when it came to C.J. Stroud and his movement and some of that development. I don't really – I mean, I don't, I, then there was enough with the feeling stuff. But it was definitely with C.J. a lot of, hey, C.J., how's your shoulder feel? But how did it really feel? Yeah. But C.J., 
how did it really feel to see? You know what I'm saying? Like I tried to ask a real football question, but I guess. My favorite thing is to sit in my basement, not go to a game and criticize the questions that were and were not asked post game. So I may never go to another game again, especially never in New Jersey because Rutgers, who didn't know this was going to happen. I'm not here to make fun of you guys for doing your job and going to New Jersey, but I can't believe you went to New Jersey for that crap. I'm just kidding. It's the uh, place you, of college football. We have I to know. No, but I mean, you went to go see Ohio State's quarterback sort of like show the world who he can be. That's, that's you know, that's kind of a big deal. It's probably good we had two people there. Probably should have three if I got off my butt. Nathan, I do want to ask about Harry Miller because we saw Harry Miller for the first time, but it wasn't like we saw early Harry Miller. And I know when you guys were texting or tweeting about warmups or whatever, it was like Harry Miller was like snapping to Quinn Ewers, you know, which is the fourth quarterback right now. So this is another one of these things that we don't really we're not exactly sure what the deal is. We assume there was an injury involved, but now he's coming back and now he, you know, was going to be a starter and now is not. And Luke Whipler's played pretty well. Do you have any read on what's up with Harry Miller other than he hadn't played and they were going to work him in slow? And Ryan Day called it actually a health issue. He didn't say he was injured or dinged up or banged up or some of the other like euphemisms that they use sometimes. So that does give you a potential like broader range of things that could have been at play for him. And I think my assumption here is just that I think, well, the fact that Luke Whipler has played well, I think is, is a factor here. I mean, Whipler was someone that they've talked about since the spring when he was getting a lot of snaps without Harry Miller being able to play because he was coming off the, uh, the uh, labrum surgery. And I think you've, he is just somebody that had proved himself and is now doing it on the field. So, I don't really know what that means for Harry Miller as far as this year. I thought there was no chance Harry Miller was going to start tonight only because of the way that Ryan Day had talked about it. And then on top of that, it's, it's New Jersey. They were going to let Luke Whipler start this game, but what it means for like looking ahead two weeks, I would expect Luke Whipler based on what we saw tonight is going to start against Maryland too. And then a week off after that. And how do some of these lineup things shake out again, three weeks from now? That's going to be, I think, an interesting thing to keep an eye on because does Harry Miller at some point make the move uh, back to where he was on the depth chart or did whatever he encountered earlier this year set him back to the point where he's a reserve offensive lineman for 2021? That That might just be where he's at. We asked that question, I think, three weeks ago where we were just I think I was like, how many games does Harry Miller miss before he can't get before he can't get the job back with the way Luke Whipple was playing then? Listen, the offensive line is about continuity, and I know they they were messing around with stuff today, but if Luke Whipler and C.J. Stroud have built some chemistry there and it seems like Luke Whipler is fine, unless you think Harry Miller is going to go out there and turn into a Remington Award finalist the first time he, first snap he takes, I, I don't see how he takes that job back five games into the season. Yeah, it does seem like one of those things where at center, you just want a guy who does the job. And so it's like, well, we thought Harry Miller would do the job. And so, like, if you thought Harry Miller would do the job, it's like Luke Whipler's never going to get a chance to do the job. And then Harry Miller can't go, and Luke Whipler does the job. And it's like, why would we go away from Luke Whipler? He's doing the job. Oh, well, we have another guy who we think can do the job. It's like, yeah, but we have a guy who can do the job. It's like, what are we – like, what do you – is somebody going to do it on one foot, right? They're making the right protection calls. They're blocking their guys. They're snapping the ball well. Like once Whipler settled in, man, I don't know what the reason would be to like get him out of there. Yeah. And before we knew the extent of Harry Miller's health issues, I was the one who was kind of putting him up there as the maybe like the big turnaround breakout guy for this team this year. Like could go from like um, kind of look down on last year for the way he played, getting thrown in as a, a true sophomore to a starting role to being like all Big Ten kind of caliber and and really blowing up. Um, but having said that, he looked fine last year at left guard, but at times less than fine and didn't look great. The one time he did play center last year, although there were some mitigating circumstances there or complicating circumstances, I should say. So he also still, and we've seen this before too, where like in theory, that guy would be good, but he still really hasn't had a chance to get on the field and do it. Yeah. So you can't just assume that he's like, we thought that about some linebackers on this team the last couple of years. Like, you know, in theory, when those guys get their chance, they'd probably be pretty good, right? Eh, maybe not. 
So I, before we get away from the offense, I want to make sure I want to double back on CJ Stroud because it's like we spent a lot of time talking about CJ Stroud. It's like, I threw 330 for 330 yards and five touchdowns. He's back. It's cool. And it's like, well, he deserves more than that. Steven, what would you say was the balance today of the times when you thought CJ Stroud, like, yep, that's it. Like good, good read ball to the right guy, throw in rhythm, make a play, be dynamic. Versus the times when you were like, eh, that didn't quite seem right. I think just offhand, there is the throw to Jackson Smith, the jig on the sideline, the slot fade where it's, that's a throw. That's like yep. championship level. I'm going to win a national title making throws like this. There's obviously the rollout stuff. There was the, there were some throws where like Rutgers is in zone and he's going through his reads and he comes back to Jackson in the middle or he came back to G Scott in the middle or he didn't see anything. And instead of like going into panic mode, he checks it down to a running back or he finds Jeremy Rucker with some stuff. Um, but there was also the he made the wrong read and almost gets picked off when and it's Ryan Day's kind of reacting, saying basically saying you should have went to Rucker with that read or there's the one where he throws it in the dirt where he's kind of pressured a little bit, but if he just relaxes a little bit, he maybe completes a pass. So there's still some of that, some of that growth in there. But I did think overall, both from his standpoint, but then also the play calling standpoint, they made things pretty simple for him in this first week. They allowed him to have some small stuff to get into a rhythm. They didn't go handoff, bubble screen, and then let's go deep to Chris Olave and see what happens. They let the game build on itself. So then when it was time to maybe have some more of those explosive plays, he was ready for it. So it was a combination of him maybe being a little bit more poised, still having some young quarterback moments, but also the play calling really helped him more than had the first three times that we saw him. I did think it felt like he took some of those throws in the middle of the field that maybe it felt like some games early on he, he wasn't taking them. And then that, that throw you're talking about, the Smith and the Jigba, it, it, he dropped it in the bucket in a way that reminded me a little bit of Michigan State 2014. JT Barrett hit Devin Smith on a ball down the sideline that was like perfectly placed. It was kind of like, oh, oh, JT Barrett. Now that might be a thing, right? And that was sort of the day when that 2014 Ohio State offense grew up and they avenged the loss to Michigan State the year before. And it was like, well, now I think we might have an idea of what this offense could maybe look like. I don't know that this was to that degree, but I thought there were moments today that reminded me a little bit of something like that, that there was just a lot there to grab onto that maybe you'd been searching for a little more in the first four weeks. It didn't. It just felt like there was a different touch on the ball for him today, a different feel. And some of that was probably physical. Some of that was probably like, hey, it's easier to like to to make that drop that nerf ball into those pillows the way he did the Jackson Smith the Jigba when it doesn't feel like someone's jabbing you in the shoulder. Assuming, I mean, we're assuming that's you know he was feeling that every time he threw the ball or or something similar to that earlier on. So you know, I I, I we we all kind of speculated that you know the the. The, the physical, the week off should help him just in terms of the precision. I mean, that was Steven's outrageous prediction for this week, right? Was um, the, the completion percentage. I think he surpassed it, right? No, he, he said, you no. said 85. He was like, 74. yeah, he was I on mean, pace for a while. And then they dropped some balls and then some things were a little haywire. But that's like, the point is, yes, he was a lot more efficient today. His exact yeah. quote was, that, that Tulsa game, I wasn't feeling right at all, but this week I could actually step into my throws. I could put something into my throws instead of feeling like, like my shoulder is going to fall off. That's so. one of those, again, it's like people were asking, it's like, oh, is, is CJ's shoulder hurt? It's like, well, you know, he's dealing with something. It's like, oh, you mean when he felt like his shoulder was going to fall off? It's like, it's one of those things. It's like, I understand you don't want to reveal injuries, but it's like we're trying to write about a guy. And if it's like if it feels like his shoulder's going to fall off, maybe that would be good information to have so that we don't say that he can't throw. But I can imagine that, right? That like right when you're getting to that point in your release where you're either putting some juice on it, right? Here's mustard time, zing, or here comes the feather. I'm right at the point in my release where I got to put a little touch on it. And either one of those, someone's stabbing you in the shoulder with an ice pick. And it's like, ah, and it's like, oh, and the ball goes over Chris Olave's head right to an Oregon defender to seal the Oregon loss. It's like, oh, you're throwing it across the field and you sail it for an interception against Tulsa. And it's like, oh, OK, well, then that makes sense. 
And that did, struggle. Go, go ahead, Nathan. I was just no. to say real quick. Like, did he throw anything high and wide tonight? Like, I don't remember any of that. Like, high, like it was, it was almost like a textbook CJ Stroud thing for three weeks. Was it he was going to miss throws high and wide? I don't think he did any tonight. He no, none that would not be excusable. Like the one to Chris on the sideline, but it's like you actually kind of want that to be high so he can yeah, go up yeah, there and it, get that it. wasn't like a miss high and wide. Right. Like, no, he, he was had, just, we threw a ball that just sailed on him. We didn't had, see really any of that tonight. No, he had nothing high. And when you do, I mean, he said his shoulder was falling off, which basically leads to some of the indecision with some of these throws when he would get out of the pocket. Because if you're not feeling right, you'd rather not throw it, especially after you've already thrown an interception as a young quarterback. And I will add one more thing just because I know we're pricing, but there's been a couple of people in the text who said I'm too pro pro C.J. Stroud, so maybe just to balance it out a little bit. He had one very indecisive play. And it was an RPO where it was pretty much set up to where he either gives it or he runs it himself or he throws it to Jackson Smith, the Jigba. And he got caught in a position where either if he would have ran it or he'd have thrown it to Jackson Smith, the Jigba, it had probably been a 15 yard game, but he got indecisive of which one he wanted to get. So it ended up being nothing. He ended up throwing the ball off of the defender's helmets and then completion. So that's probably the worst play he had of the day. It's one of those things like, hey, CJ, early in the game, you seemed a little high on some of your throws. Do you think that was nerves? It's like, no, it was the ice pick in my shoulder. It's like, oh, okay. okay. Nobody says that. I mean, you know, and right. I guess for good reason, they're not going to say no, that. I they're know, not I know. But, but, but you're right that it, you know, I, I will say, I, I think Steven said something really smart there, though, um, which I've already completely forgotten. Um, it's okay. I'll say something smart again later. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to take that chance. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me lock down on this. Um, oh, but when, I thought he definitely looked better. It wasn't like he does this a lot, but I thought he made much better. He looked much better throwing on the run tonight. I thought the first three games, I thought he looked um, completely out of place. Like he, the last thing in the world he wanted to do was try to throw the ball on the run. And I thought he made a couple of those throws tonight. And I, I imagine, I think what Steven said there was really smart, that if you're already, it's already a, a precarious situation somewhat. You're being flushed, you're being chased, and now you think, my arm may not be there. Do I want to take that risk? Right, and I right. Think, I think now that he, if, he, if he's healthier, then it gives you, it's, it's confidence. So, so let me ask this before we get off the offense. We'll take a quick break. Coming into this game, Rutgers' defense is what what anyone who thought Rutgers had a chance was based on Rutgers' defense. It was not based on Rutgers' explosive offense. So Akron, we weren't going to take into account much of Akron, right? Do you hold back much at all that it's like, oh, it's Rutgers? Or is it like, no, like Rutgers has a competent Big Ten defense. We said it coming into the week. I think we said exactly that. Rutgers is a competent Big Ten defense. So if C.J. Stroud and this Ohio State offense has its way, then we've got to give them credit, and there's no reason to hold back. Or is what percent is it? Uh, it's Rutgers. There's still some of that percentage. I pointed out that what Rutgers Rutgers' defensive numbers looked good, especially against the pass, but they had yet to play a team that could really throw the ball. Certainly a t- yeah. no team that could throw the ball at Ohio State's level. They haven't played anybody that's got a Chris Olave and a Jackson Smith, a Jigba, and a Garrett Wilson, and they have to worry about Trevion Henderson only for a quarter. And, and then I think C.J. Stroud's better than um, than Michigan's quarterback, too. So uh, on all of those things together, like Rutgers had not been tested this way, kind of in the same way that Maryland's offense looked pretty good until I had to play Iowa Friday night. I think Rutgers' defense looked pretty good until I had to play Ohio State. I think the one thing you can't overreact in the sense of if because if it's about talent that you want to take a pause, Ohio State's going to be more talented than everybody on on their schedule. That's just how it is. I think where you can overreact is there was some chess match going on, a little bit of chess being played by Ryan Day. That first touchdown to Travion Henderson where he takes it 44 yards. Yes, Travion Henderson is awesome, but why was it so open? It was open because they ran a bunch of jet sweeps last week, and so now when you bring Jackson Smith the Jigba in motion. Greg Schiano's got to honor that. He's got to pay attention to that. So instead, you just counter it to Travion Henderson. You pull Paris Johnson, who gets a great block. Jeremy Rucker gets a great block, which springs open Travion Henderson to do the rest of the work. That type of stuff is where you can kind of overreact because Ryan Day's always going to have to make adjustments. This coaching staff is going to always have to make adjustments, and there's always going to have to be a level of execution. So I'll overreact with the execution part, not necessarily about the dominance part because – this is the most talented team in the Big Ten by far, so you should expect that part. All right. 
that's the Ohio State offense. I want to come back, talk a little bit about like sort of the playoff vibe, the defense, and then this ridiculous line that I hope people listening made money on. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315 is how you get the text. We'd love to have you. Just would love it. Just would love it. Defensively, did they get after the passer or was it like, could you not even tell because I don't know. I mean, there seemed like there was the one, I know Zach Harrison hit the quarterback's arm, I think on the Tommy Eichenberg pick. And there was some other stuff, Nathan, that that to me was the number one thing. Are they going to get pressure defensively? Did you think they did? Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to get nine sacks again. But, yeah, I did think they got some pressure, and I think it contributed to the, the turnovers. Um, they, I think they were credited only with one sack. I haven't seen the final stats, but it was zero until Tyleek Williams got one late. So they weren't getting sacks. But this isn't really – this isn't a Rutgers team that you probably go after quite the same way. This offense isn't going to really – function that way i didn't i didn't come into this game thinking it was going to be a great barometer of ohio state's pass rush and i think in in the ways that it it could still be that you saw it it resulted in the turnovers better than sacks and that's the key there last week it resulted in sacks this week the pressure resulted in turnovers and that's what you want you understand that every game is not going to be nine sacks or even three or four sacks. I mean, but if like Zach Harrison hitting the quarterback's arm, Jack Sawyer was back there. Obviously, the interior of the defensive line continues to get back there. But as long as it feels like the pressure can uh, if you're getting pressure where a quarterback can feel you, you can live with that because that hasn't been the case for pretty much the last you know, 10 games before the Akron game. Better than sacks. Buckeye talk. Um, I did. So I, I do want to chill a little bit on the three straight games with the pick six. Cause it's like last week, the tight end for Akron, like bobbled the ball three times and handed it to Ronnie Hickman. Right. And today the Rutgers quarterback was just like here, Denzel Burke. And so you've got to catch it when the quarterback throws it right to you. It's not like, like the Denzel Burke, that pick that wasn't right. Whatever that was against Tulsa a couple of weeks ago where he dropped back in zone and then read the yeah, play yeah. and broke yeah. on the ball. Like that's money time. Some of these is like, well, you're just playing terrible quarterbacks and ter- people are bobbling, you know, stuff defensively. So I don't want to overreact to that, but just in general, Nathan, did you think that looked like a good defense? Did that look like, Hey, this is much better than it was in the Oregon game. The way I said it in the text was, um, this is a still a con- this is still a defense under construction, which means there's going to be some cleanup involved. Like you're going to have to like sweep up the dust and uh, whatever else goes into construction. Do I look like I've done a lot of construction in my life? No, but uh, you said you installed a toilet. You've installed, installed a toilet. Oh, I've installed like three or four toilets in my life. I've, I've done a lot of flooring. Oh, so there's always, there's always stuff that's got to get, you know, scraps and dust and, and whatnot. Only gave myself it, how- pink eye. I've had, I've had pink eye one time out of the four toilets I've installed. So I think that's a pretty good ratio. Can it be that you look simultaneously? I guess that makes sense. You look like a person who has not done construction, but you do look like a person who has installed several toilets. Yeah, I, I'm not that. I'm not that different than like uh, Al from uh, Tool Time on Home Improvement. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not that far. For away. real, that's actually Google that for people who were not alive in the early '90s, <laughs> or late '80s. Yeah, uh, Google that. He look, does look like that. All right. Oh, well, so you yeah. think? It's, anyway. It's, anyway. Yeah, I, I think it's. You think you. St- I think you could still say this was progress without saying that it's like a really good defense yet, or that it's as good as it needs to be. Um, but I think to your point about the pick sixes, what I do think is important is Minnesota and especially the Oregon game. This defense didn't look like it knew how to line up at times, and now you got guys out there like making plays and that that's been a progression that that is a positive thing that's happened for Ohio State on defense I don't think you can argue against that so I think it's now a matter of I I was asking questions about this in the post game I'm going to write about it for observations for the morning um cleveland.com slash osu this is kind of correlation between confidence and making plays like how much of this was guys who were confident in their abilities and are now getting a chance to do it how much of it was guys who were sort of pressed into duty but then they get out there, they make a play, and all of a sudden it sort of it opens something up for a guy. Like now with that that boost of confidence, now they can more consistently play well. Because you're seeing like, you know, a huge play in this game. Like Rutgers comes out and tries to screw with Ohio State right away with a, a, a fake punt on the first drive of the game. 
And Cam, that probably should have been a pick six too. It hits Cam Martinez. Um, he, he gets the pass breakup for it. But I mean, he was ready for that situation. I know technically that was um, special teams, but still, like it's it's a play being made by a very young guy. Um, Burke, obviously, young guy. It's just it's it's happening from younger and younger guys. And I think now that you're seeing it get repeated each week. I've said that before too, that like what Ohio State just has to do, it sounds so basic, but just do something good and then repeat it. And they were not there early on this season. You're starting to see that repetition happen. Pressed into duty. Buckeye talk. Pressed uh, into duty. Pressed into duty. Uh, go ahead, Steven. <laughs> follow that. So, follow that. Try to follow that. I'm trying. Um, I think <laughs> last week, I got to lose my – last week was about uh, – finding out who your best guys were your best 11 to 15 to 16 so that I mean you got starters and your package guys this week was like can it work is, is it real or not because records is a lot better than what Akron was so now you check both of those check marks off and now it's about can it consistently work I think one spot where you really show, saw it pop up is we knew records was going to come out with some type of trick play at some point first drive of the game they have the fake punt and Ryan David talked about this Cameron Martinez is in the exact spot he's supposed to be in the, that's that's a guy who knows what he's doing. He didn't just randomly pop up on that ball. They knew there was probably going to be a chance they were going to come out with a trick play on that first drive. They had a, a plan for it, and it ran perfectly. He just didn't catch the ball for an interception, but he was exactly where he was supposed to be. Ronnie Hickman was all over the place, but he was always where he needed to be. Even with that Denzel Burke pick, it's a terrible throw. But Burke is exactly where he's supposed to be. And we're seeing that a lot more often when in the first couple of weeks, you see guys trying to communicate over the sidelines while they're also trying to get set in their defensive formation or whatnot. We didn't see any of that today. During the game, I tweeted out, no fun today, Greg, just for anybody who had followed along uh, on the, I think the, uh, (laughs) one of the podcasts last week. This is a texter question. How are you feeling about Ohio State as a playoff team after today? The choices were absolutely. They looked like a top four team. Optimistic, but I need to see more. Optimistic, but I think Penn State and or Iowa are really good, which to me is different than I need to see more because the first one's about Ohio State. The second one's like, well, no matter how good you think Ohio State might be, there might be some real contenders in this conference. And the last one is still not sure. Nathan, what do you think won? Absolutely. One of those two optimistics are still not sure as a playoff team. I think it's the, 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 the more optimistic of the two. I think you have to still reserve some skepticism until you see them do it against a good team again. Stephen, what do you think won? I think it's the Penn State Iowa is are still good just because of what Iowa did last night and because Penn State handled an SEC team a couple weeks ago. So that's what I would vote. I would vote. I think, and we have plenty of time to get into this, and I do want to get into this because we just did a whole Michigan podcast last Thursday. And guess what? Michigan came out and got off the kind of a slow start, knocked Graham Mertz out of the game for Wisconsin. And then they start, and we did not talk about this at all on the Thursday Michigan pod, but we did talk about it early in the year. Michigan started playing J.J. McCarthy in that game, and it felt like they started to play J.J. McCarthy because they might want to maybe start getting ready for something, which is really interesting by November, which is what we talked about in the preseason. Would J.J. McCarthy, the five-star freshman, be the Michigan quarterback by the time Michigan plays Ohio State? But I want to start talking about Penn State and Iowa because if Ohio State kind of has its stuff together, and it sure looked like today that the Buckeyes do, I, I think I think Ohio State, Penn State and Iowa with the way stuff is shaken out around the country with Oregon losing in overtime to Stanford today. Notre Dame is not good. Cincinnati is. I don't think there's a good team in the ACC. I think Penn State, Iowa and Iowa State might be, no, excuse me. I think Penn State, Iowa and Ohio State might be three of the best eight teams in the country. And Michigan might be like the 12th best team in the country. And for Ohio State to get to the playoff, they're probably going to have to play all three of them. I mean, they're definitely going to, have to play Penn State, Michigan. It sure feels like I was coming out of the West. So I, I don't want to get into that now because this is the postgame podcast, but it's on our radar for the next couple of podcasts. Optimistic but need to see more did win here, 57%. Optimistic, but I think Penn State and or Iowa are really good, 22%. 
Absolutely, they're there. They look like a top four team. 16%, still not sure, 6%. So overall, that 79% optimistic, 16% sure, yes, 6% not sure. That's a lot of optimism, Nathan, but people weren't diving in after Rutgers on. That's it. They're a playoff team. But to me, I would tie any optimism about Ohio State more to the fact that there's some other real teams in this conference than lingering serious, serious, serious doubts about the Buckeyes. Because I feel like Saturday took away a lot of the doubts. Like, does the defense suck? It's like, no, it it doesn't. It's not going to be as terrible as it was against Oregon, right? Is it good yet? I don't know if it's good, but it's not going to be terrible. Is C.J. Stroud, like, not good? No, that's not the case. If you were worried about that, and I was for the first month, he looks like a real guy. I think they can win with him. So, like, is he as good as – is he a national championship quarterback? I don't know. But I don't have, like, serious, hardcore doubts about C.J. Stroud. I'm at the point of – well, now we know Ohio State's good again. I just think there's other two other really good teams, and maybe they're not quite as good as those guys. Where are you with just the general playoff vibes? How good are they? They're going to play good teams. Where are you with all that stuff, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, they've just put themselves in a situation, obviously, by taking the loss early, which now is an even worse loss because Oregon lost today. So that reflects even worse on them once you get to a, a committee situation. And I, I pointed out that four games into the season, they really didn't have a good thing to t- put on their resume for the committee. You could maybe even say that after this is actually probably in a lot of ways, the best thing on their resume right now, right? Cause they came on the road in the big 10 against a team that played Michigan close and just blew them off the field. So this is really the first time they've, they've done something like that. So I, I understand why there should still be, and especially because everything is so haywire above them. There's still re- plenty of reason to be um, optimistic about Ohio State getting there, but the, the fact of it now is if they're a one-loss team that makes the playoff, it's because they already took the loss, and now they're going to have to beat all of those other teams that you just mentioned who all are pretty good. So it's it's not going to come down to, you know, do they lose later to Penn State or do they lose late? Do they lose? Are you undefeated and lose the Big Ten Championship game? It's like you took your loss early and now does it even do you now just get to build through what's coming now as your team improves? You're knocking off these other teams in succession and you get to kind of prove it on the field. It's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks who the most dangerous one loss team is because Ohio State has an opportunity just because of how the schedule kind of, you know, shapes out for them to be that in a sense that the team that lost that game is not going to be anywhere near what the team is that when it's time to actually pick the four teams for the playoff, just because there were so many things that had to, you know, develop, whether it was a quarterback play, whether it was the defense needed to prove, improve and find itself a little bit, whether it was the play calling on offense there, it's going to be a night and day type of situation for them. So it's early and it's a hyperbolic statement to make now, but it is something to pay attention to as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, who might be the most dangerous one loss team. Georgia and Alabama are on our trajectory right now that, um, the loser of that game in the SEC championship game is still going to the playoff. Yeah. So that's another thing to remember too, that you're not, you're up. It's it's, there's a big cluster of people that are probably playing for two spots, but like, that's like, that's not even where I am because regardless of whether Ohio state had beaten Oregon or not, I'm not sure if Ohio state's better than Penn state because right. Penn state, I think has a great back seven. I think they have a couple corners in Joey Porter and Tariq Castro field to have a shot to at least hang with the Ohio State receivers. Two great safeties that can bother a young quarterback. Good linebackers. I think Jahan Dotson is as like as good as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. There's only one of him. But but then they have a, a you know, Sean Clifford's playing pretty well for Sean Clifford. And they kind of know who they are. Their run game has to get better. I have them on TV right now as so I'm talking. And then Iowa's defense is just smothering. They're absolutely smothering. And they just made poor Talia Tonga Vailoa like loses mind on Friday night. And again, there's plenty of time to get into this. I think it's possible. And there's plenty of time to get into this. I think it's possible Penn state and Iowa are the two best non are the two best non Ohio state, big 10 teams since Penn state and Michigan in 2016. When, I think that's, that's when Penn State beat Ohio State and when Michigan was like, 
it was like a two, three game and Michigan probably like was a nano was an inch away from beating Ohio state. And both those teams, you would say like Penn state and then Penn state, right? Like went to the Rose bowl and play with you. Like, like Penn state and Michigan, both, both that year were like as good as Ohio state. They were doesn't mean Ohio state was bad. They were a playoff team, but there were two other teams in the league that were as good as Ohio state. I've never felt that with the Wisconsin teams and even the Wisconsin team that was undefeated going into the big 10 championship game when they played Ohio state. I've never felt that that was the case in 16. That's what this feels like to me. So the, so even anything of like, well, the, who's the most dangerous. It's like, I just don't know if they can beat those guys. And that's not a slam on Ohio state. It's like a credit to, Hey, guess what? Your league got good. And this is what it looks like. So I don't, it was probably too much of that conversation. It's a tease because I want to have like long conversations about that as we start thinking about stuff, because Iowa and Penn state play next week and Ohio state is playing Maryland. Who doesn't look like much of a challenge the way things went Friday night. And they're going to have a buy. And then it's going to be in the end of Penn state. Like it's going to get real here. And so I want to assess where, where Penn state, where Ohio state is. But I think like, to me, like theoretically, they look like a playoff team again to me, right? Like, like, Hey, they're good. Their defense has improved. They have a lot of offensive weapons. Their quarterback looks good. Ryan day is calling a good game theoretically. And then it's like, let's get down to brass tacks, man. There's some, there's some teams in this conference. All right. We'll take our last break. And I want to yell at odds makers. This is what we do. One week. We say, don't listen to us. We're idiots. Set your money on fire. Don't listen to our gambling advice. And the next week I come back and rip everybody else because this line was bonkers next on Buckeye talk. So the first question I asked the texters was about money, of course. Did you actually bet on Ohio State minus 15 and a half versus Rutgers and win money? Yes, I did. No, I wish I did. No, I don't like gambling. No, I bet on Rutgers and I'm questioning my life choices. Those were the four options that I gave everybody. 13%, 13% of the tech subscribers said, yes, I did. I bet money on Ohio State minus 15 and a half and won. 45% no, I don't like gambling, which I respect. 40% no, I wish I did. 2% no, I bet on Rutgers and I'm questioning my life choices. As bad as we are, if you're that, stop gambling. Stop gambling forever. Stop. 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 As dumb as I am, even I sniffed this one out. Steven, why was this line 15 and a half? It was 52 and a half two years ago. That's a 37 point difference. I said, okay, maybe 10. This is what I wrote after the game. I just ranted about the line because I wasn't there. What am I going to do to analyze football? I had a whole box of wheat thins in my basement. What am I going to, I mean, I'm going to offer cogent football critiques. What are we talking about? Wheat thins are so good. They just taste like sugar, which is weird for something that has wheat in the title. They try to get you. Be careful. How could it be? I said, it's a 37 point difference from two years ago. I said, 10 of that might be Greg Shiano. They go from like incompetent, can't get out of their own way to like, hey, this is a guy. Well, where's the rest of it come from? The rest of it is like people are four touchdowns less confident in this Ohio State team than that Chase Young, Justin Fields team. And that was, I understand being somewhat less confident. That was too much less confident. It was bonkers steven right right wasn't this bonkers the whole time I th- yeah I, it's the problem is even if you thought ohio state hadn't figured it out yet and let's just say cj stroud's shoulder wasn't completely 100 but they played him today and he looked exactly how he looked in the first three weeks they were still scoring a lot of points in those games and their quarterback wasn't playing well and their offense was out of funk and their defense was giving up everything under the sun And yet outside of the Oregon game, they were still scoring a lot. So from that logic, you have to just think, do you think Rutgers is going to score the way Ohio State's going to score even when it's not playing well? If the answer is yes, like you said, stop gambling. As a matter of fact, just stop watching football because you don't know what you're talking about. If your answer is no, then why the heck is this line only 15 points? The the Last year, even Nathan, when it was the game when like Rutgers right fought in the second half and made it closer than it actually was, Ohio State still won by 22 in that game. And that was like, I can't believe how close that game was. And that still was a comfortable cover of this line. So, again, 
this is what we do here. This is what we do. We bounce back and forth between utter incompetence and screaming at people how smart we are when we are occasionally right. And by we, I mean me. But we all knew this, right, Nathan? I am not a gambler because I don't have the app. There's not an app in Ohio yet. And I would still be afraid. I'm afraid, right? I mean, I have a family. I can't. What am I going to do? Gamble my kid's college on it. But if I had gambled my kid's college on it, she could go to college twice now because this was free money. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want people to think that gambling is a sure thing because you missed it. This was a sure. I said in my column, this was the worst betting line I can remember ever. It's insane. Nathan, is it still not insane? Who bet? Can you do a story, Nathan, would you have a time to do a story in the bye week of searching out like an investigative piece, searching out the people who took Rutgers with the points and asking them where their lives have gone wrong that led them to take Rutgers plus 15 and a half in this game? I think you could win a Pulitzer with it. (laughs) Um, I I think it's interesting because clearly there was a lot of money on Rutgers or else the books would have moved the line. Yeah. That's the whole point. The whole point of the betting line is to get bets on both sides of the line. So clearly there was a lot of money out there that was betting Rutgers plus 15. Uh, I was not one of those people. Uh, I hope that none of you were one of those people. Um, Yeah. Even as bad as we were, I think we were a little flabbergasted. I don't know if it, if it comes down to Tyler Shoemaker, our buddy T shoe. I said something on Twitter today where he thought he said he thinks some of the odds makers are still relying too much on like their preseason power rankings as opposed to what's happened here over these first four weeks. I don't know if that was specifically in relation Mm. to the to the Michigan line, which that line was the one that I thought was the bonkers line of the week where Wisconsin was favored to beat Michigan. That I thought was even crazier than this, frankly, in some ways. Um, oh, no. I, th- to me, this was nothing was crazier than this. But go ahead. I know what you're saying. I mean, this I, was still, I, this was still favored by two touchdowns on the road. I mean, but yeah, I, I but um, so I don't know if that's a factor here. If, if this might just be a case where like Ohio State looked even analytically very different in those first couple of weeks than what it's looking like right now. And that's something that the computers have been like late to catch up to or whatever. I I don't know. But the thing I like the thing of it is again, even like not analytically, which is a dangerous way to start a gambling conversation. Like I don't care what the numbers say. My gut tells me, but, and I don't mean to single people out, but if it was like, Oh, what's Ohio state doing defensively? It's like, yeah, man, they're, they're running legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts out there and playing man. It's like, Oh, okay. Well then I'm not going to bet on them because that's what they were doing early on. And it was not working. And guess what? <laughs> they are playing a lot less man and those guys don't play. So it's like, well, how did the defense get better? It's like, well, they, you know, no offense again, they're young. They're just young. And they were looking for the right young guys. And so those guys have great careers ahead of them, quite possibly, right? They just aren't ready yet. Again, Garyon Conley had a, a, a game where Eli Apple was hurt, I think in 14, and like Eli Apple was on the sideline on the bike working it out, maybe 15. And Garyon Conley played for Eli Apple. Like Garyon Conley was so bad, they had to take him off the field and tell Eli Apple, like, you're not hurt anymore. You have to play. And then it's like Garyon Conley came back the next year was a first-round pick. So it's, it just takes time. I get it. I'm not trying to call those guys out, but I'm saying like, what, what are the, Ryan, what would you say the big adjustments are? It's like, well, I would say we, the players that weren't playing well, they don't play anymore. It's like, okay, well, that's a good idea. Do more of that. So, you know, I just thought um, I was stupefied. Buckeye talk. So I just, I don't know. I, I wish it was more than 13%, although I don't want everyone to be camp, you know, but you're never, never in the history. I mean, what's the, can you imagine? A 15-point line in an Ohio State Rutgers game is like, oh, what's the deal? Is Rutgers in the top 10? It's like, no, they're not. It's it's only a 15-point Ohio State Rutgers line. Does Rutgers have like a five-star quarterback? No, they have the same quarterback they've had for like three years. Okay, did like did did Nick Saban quit Alabama? Is he coaching Rutgers? That's like, no, it's Greg Schiano. He's good. Oh, so is he stacked recruiting classes and they're super talented? No, no, he hasn't had a chance to recruit yet. Oh, so what happened? Well, they only lost to Michigan by seven. <laughs> Oh, oh, they did. Oh, did Ohio State did like half the guys quit the team? It's like, no, they just had a bad game a couple weeks ago. Oh, they do the exact same thing from when they had the bad game. No, they've changed. They even demoted a guy. 
They've completely changed. Oh, is the quarterback terrible? Well, yeah, but he rested last week and everyone says he looks awesome now. Oh, okay. Well, there's a bunch of guys out. No, actually, they're getting much healthier. Oh, okay. So it's 15 and a half. Why isn't it 35 and a half, you knuckleheads? Go ahead, Dave. But it's only a bad betting. I, I, you say it's a bad betting line, but if the if the casinos made a ton of money because a lot of people saw that seven-point game at Michigan and applied like the transitive theory and thought that meant that they could play within two touchdowns of Ohio State, then it's not a bad betting line like the casinos did what they were supposed to do. My assumption, my assumption is that the Bellagio is going to be on high street next week because everybody in Ohio bet on Ohio state and that casino is now bankrupt because I would imagine I, I get it, right? I get it. If everybody, if, if people in Ohio each bet a million dollars on the game, the line would have moved, but I hope again, I hope people in Ohio, this was a moment to bet with your heart and your incredulity. What? 15 and a half. I don't know. Maybe I phrased it wrong in the story. It just was insane. There was no way. I mean, like, I don't even know what it would have looked like. What would it have looked like? What would it have, what would it have looked like? Oh, well, what? Well, maybe. Well, maybe. The, what if their starting quarterback gets hurt? Well, I mean, the backup quarterback well, played last week. He's really talented. We, we looked a little, looked a little unsure, but he'd probably be okay. Well, what if the second string quarterback got hurt? Well, the third string quarterback, he actually was like a really highly rated recruiter. Well, what if he got hurt? What if he had to go to the fourth string quarterback? It's like, oh, he's he's. The, He's the best player in the country. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't played before, but he's the best. He's the highest rated quarterback recruit in history if, if, if they got down to it. So I don't, I mean, maybe. Would it have looked like last year's game played in Piscataway without Justin Fields? That would have maybe gotten you to 15 points. Like a backdoor, a backdoor cover. I think, mm, I think Ohio State, if CJ Stroud is the starting quarterback last season, with all the experience they didn't have, I think it's a three touchdown game. What if all, what if like the three starting receivers like all converge on a pass and they all conk their helmets together and they're all out for the game? Like, what would they do? They wouldn't have any receivers. I think like, no, they, they actually have the number one receiver recruit in the country. They just play him and he'd probably have 150 receiving yards. Oh, okay. I guess, well, I, it seems like maybe you should bet on Ohio State then. I hope you got it because you're never going to see it again. You're never going to see a line that low again in Ohio State Rutgers. All right. We'll come back uh, with some Monday madness on on, uh, on the Monday. We'll have stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU or cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talks. Basically the same thing. We'll take reviews. We always take reviews. We enjoy them at Apple Podcasts. And we'd love to have you on the text. People that seem to be having a good time. Get your votes in on whether you made money or not. 6143503315 all right anything steven anything you want to r- wrap up with you guys are actually there so you'll get the last word as opposed to me eating wheat thins in my basement um no i just think this was a good step in the right direction on all all all, all facets of the game especially since i don't even think Jesse Mirko did anything today which is always a good day but i just thought this was uh, there's not a lot of complaints out of this game that aren't things that you would expect to be there for five games into the season. I will say the only disappointment I have is that, you know, this was both of these guys had quarterbacks who probably shouldn't be here. They should still be in high school right now. And Quinn Ewers and Gavin Wimsat and neither one of them got a chance to play more about Rutgers and Ohio state because Ryan days made it clear that Quinn's not going to play. Greg Schiano has not ruled that out. So I was really excited to maybe if it got to what it was at halftime, he'd play and he didn't play. So that's my only disappointment so far but other than that yeah a great day for Ohio State moving forward he wasn't going to play that high school kid until they blocked Tyleek Williams which they did not do on <laughs> yeah, the play when he that, no, that's the a thing now Tyleek Williams just kind of turning up at the end of the games and getting the sack but it's always like they like that there's like a thing on Twitter it's like Tyleek Williams like uh, there you know there that that kid has a mom what are you doing to him it's like they didn't block him no offense to Tyleek Williams yeah. like good job they they chose not to block him it's not like he broke a double team and did it. He just ran in by himself. Nathan, last word. Quinn Ewers did make the trip today. He was not on the travel roster for the Minnesota game. He was Progress. here today. So we saw him down there, uh, you know, like you said, taking snaps from Harry Miller, throwing some passes around. So we'll, we'll see. Soon. Very soon for the movie. Probably not, though. I know. I did, Let me be hyperbolic for a second. I did a poll on Twitter, not for the texters, but I did a poll on Twitter that was uh, – if you bet on Ohio State today, where are you building your new house? Are you building it in the mountains or on a lake? 
and someone replied and said, Ewers Island. So that was <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was good. All right. You guys safe travels back from New Jersey. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening to this postgame Buckeye Talk again. Ohio State with the easy win and that smooth cover, 52-13 over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>